Hello and welcome. This is Colin Daly coming to you today from the IFS Web Radio Lab. Today is Monday, December 19th, 2022, and I have a very special guest. Welcome. Thank you very much, Colin. I'm Jean-Marc Desromedi. Before I answer your first question, I'd like to address one thing. Last week, you sent me an email and you asked me whether I was available last Friday. I answered no, because I had a plan, mischief plan. My plan was to come today and to do exactly this and to say I lied because we are world champion. But we are not world champion, so I should have come last Friday. So a short delay for the World Cup final. So, uh, so I miss my plan. I'm tired, a bit bitter, but I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for being here. France is number two in the world and number one in our hearts as far as football goes. Mm-hmm. Coming back to your name, we always start with names because no matter what culture we're from or what country, or even regions in France, the name has a significance. There's always a story behind a name. It's not much of a story from my side. My family name is Arnaud Deromedi. Arnaud is the first name. It was a tradition until a few centuries ago that all kids that were found received as a family name the first name of the people who found them. So Arnaud, when you have a first name as your last name, it means somehow at one stage, one of your ancestors was a found kid. Like just abandoned, you know, in front of a church and then found by someone. My Italian name actually comes from the very poor region on the extreme north of Italy, close to Austrian border. The region is called Trentino. So it's very close to Guardalec, but Guardalec is a rich region. Trentino is a very poor region. And in this region, the legend is that nearly everybody in my village is called De Romedi. It's believed that there was a, a priest called Don Romedi, and he was believed to have had a few experiences with the locals, and so the kids were De Romedi. So See. coming out of Don Romedi. Interesting. So that's the next question. Where were you born? I was born in Paris. My grandfather I was closest to was born in Trentino region. Then in the late 20s, he had nothing to eat, actually. His family was 13 kids, and the father had died during the First World War. And he was the eldest, so he had to feed the family. To bring real money back, he decided to go to France. Some of the other members of the family went to USA a bit later. But he went to France, and he arrived in France in 1929, looking for a job in 1929 with the recession and... Yeah, the world depression. Exactly. So it was a bit difficult, but still he stayed there, and he was in construction. And he was just saying, OK, you don't pay me, you just give me enough to eat and you don't even need to make me sleep somewhere. After a few months, they begin to pay him, and then, you know, Italian, we always try to build something. So he started to work outside of Paris in Toulouse, and then he walked his way up to Paris. That's where uh, I was born, because, again, Italian family, we all stay close to the boss. In the mid-70s, he decided to go to French Riviera, to enjoy a bit more and to continue his job. So we all followed one or two years after. So I was born in Paris and then I moved to Cannes on the French Riviera when I was two years old. Was Italian spoken at home at all, or was it mostly French? Uh, this is very funny, and actually it's not a very good way. In our family, what we wanted is to integrate, because again, my, when my grandfather came to France, the Italians, the Rital, were bad people trying to steal the bread from the French. So in order to get yourself accepted in France, it was very important for us 
to be as French as it gets. So there was no chance, even two generations after, for me to learn Italian, to speak Italian, with, even with my grandfather, to try to speak with him. He would not answer me. He would speak Italian with Italian people, but not with me. This was our view of integration, which was not that great, because after uh, close to one century, I still feel, and my kids still feel, very Italian. I think that's been true in many countries all around the world. The United States was the same way, uh, unifying people with English and centralizing power in Paris so that nobody was speaking Breton in the schools, even in Brittany. That's a well-known phenomenon. So, but a very Italian-feeling family, yes. but a French francophone family moved down to Cannes and so you're on the French Riviera you're two years old so you're on the beach you're playing volleyball exactly <laughs> not at two years old but it's the paradise and when you go to the countryside you walk inside the forest and the mountain and you have the smells of eucalyptus at the middle of winter you have the mimosa blooming it's incredible actually I would never have left French Riviera and well, I'm planning to go back why, why did you leave that's our next question why did you leave and when did you leave how old were you when you left Alors, I believe my mother left French Riviera on purpose so that I would not get a moped. Because <laughs> I had negotiated for that for at least six months, saying, but I will wear this helmet and this and this thing and all that, and I'm sure I can tell you I will go very slowly. So after harassing my mother for six months, <laughs> she said... Okay, so when your birthday comes, you're going to get your, your moped. Actually, one month before my birthday, she told me, okay, so we are leaving to Singapore. And my first question was, at what age can I get a moped in Singapore? <laughs> so, and then she told me, 18, and you need to have a license I and all see. that. So I was stuck. So I left, uh, so yeah, 14 years 14. old. Yeah, Because in France at the time, and maybe still, 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 15, you can get a moped. 14. 14. Uh, huh? So uh, it was my dream. So your mother decided to move to Singapore. Was it you and your mother? Do you have brothers and sisters? Uh, was it the whole family? Or who went to Singapore? And why? I mean, that's a big step. Alors, my parents were already divorced, so my father stayed in Paris. He was living in Paris at that time. On my mother's side, I had one half-brother who was 10 years older than me, so he stayed in France because he was working. And I had a sister, older sister, she's about one and a half years older than me, so she went with us to Singapore. My mother chose Singapore because... Remember the old speech about the Italian family following the, the boss? She was pissed at the boss. So in order to show that she was a, a grown-up, she moved to a place far away. And it just happened that maybe two, three months before she took the decision, we had some people from Singapore coming to do business with her. And they told her, okay, let's move to Singapore. So she decided to strike out on her own, yeah. be independent, and took the initiative to break out and come to Singapore. About what year would that have been? 1889. It was not the same Singapore as it is today. And not at all. Not at all. The only thing I had seen about Singapore was pictures. And pictures were all great because it was Orchard Road and all that. But even going to Orchard Road, you know, the smells, everything was a bit awkward. For a teenager, it was a bit strange. If I had uh, gone to Singapore at the age I have now, I would have enjoyed the awkwardness. But uh, at this time, it was just, what am I doing here? I understand. I understand exactly what you mean. 
So you came as a teenager, which meant you needed to go to school still. You hadn't finished school. Yeah, you apparently. were in college before. Would you have been in troisième or second? I was in second. I was one year ahead. And actually, that was good because I had some issues arriving in Singapore because I was 14 years old and I discovered a bit early the nightlife, the disco, because everything was open to a white face at that time. In yeah. Singapore, you could enter without paying any nightclub. The Singaporeans were paying you drinks so that you can entertain at that table. And this made me miss one year. You are a former student. You are a current parent of the school and you are president of the school board. So you're very much a part of the school community and you have been since you were 15. When you arrived, you were a student at the school. You had fun the first year and then start to crack down a little bit, but where was the school? What was the school like? The school was in Bukitingi, just behind the Swiss club. We were 400 students, and the first thing that strikes when I tried to search inside my memories is it was small. It was small, and coming from Cannes, at that time we had a good soccer team, and so everybody was playing soccer, and of course the first thing I did before going to a disco was join the soccer team of the French school. But given the small number of students and the fact that all the good ones were going to rugby because somehow it's nicer to play rugby, which is not the case in Cannes, we had a terrible team. But the most impressive thing I remember is our team, we were not crying when we were losing, which was something new for me because in Cannes, you lose, first you have, you have given everything you have and you are, you are dying at the end and if you, are, if you have lost, then you cry like a baby. But yeah, they said, okay, let's have a McDo, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very small. Did you play against other schools or was it other international schools or was it mostly intramural amongst the students no, no, in the school? Not intramural. We lost against most of the international schools, but like 6-0, 7-0 and Afterwards, I went only into disco <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, was, uh, I was fed up with losing. So at that point, first year of lycée, second. Yeah. Uh, and so then... Then second, one more time. A second second. Voilà. And then, and then you did your complete lycée here. Everything. Yeah, everything, yeah. Are there any teachers that you had or members of the staff that are still here? I there mean, is Camini, uh, there is Camini of course. Camini, there is yeah. Camini. I always speak about that. She has seen me waiting with the head down in front of the headmaster's office telling me, you've been a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, there, there was, yeah, of course, Camini. I don't think there is anyone else. There was Benny, but Benny yeah, left sadly, us. Uh, you still have a boy at the school or you have two boys at the school? I still have two boys, two boys at the at school. school. I tried to pay extra so that they move faster, but, uh, <laughs> but nobody uh, took the money, so maybe I was not offering enough. So I still have two kids in the French school, one in Terminal and one in Premier. And I have a stepson in Terminal. Once you got your baccalaureate from the LFS at the time, yeah. what was next after that? So the first thing I did just before I left Terminal, I don't know if it's still the case, but we used to write a message in each yearbook. The Terminal would, li would leave a message in the yearbook of everyone. And I think it's still there in the library. If you look at the yearbook, year 1993, you have very embarrassing pictures of me, but you also have my message, which was, I will never come back to Singapore. <laughs> so this is uh, when I, uh, I started my life as a visionary. Uh, <laughs> That's, that fits in so well with the theme of this show. <laughs> 
So I always know what I want to do. I went to France to business school, uh, small business school. Actually, I was pissed off because I had applied to uh, prepa uh, for business, uh, which was called Montaigne in Paris. I don't even know if it's a good prep school, but... It sounded nice, yeah. chic, and I was on waiting list. So I was so pissed off that I signed up with the business school in La Défense, did my four years there, and at the end of the four years, actually, school belonged to the CEO of Cartier. Ah, the watch and yeah. fine luxury good exactly. company. Exactly, and as I was not one of the top students, but one of the funniest. I was offered a position in Cartier, which I took. And before I started, I had to let go of the position because my mother had some problems in Singapore, business problems. So I agreed to come to Singapore for three months. And it's been, uh, this was 97, so it's been 25 years that I'm here for three months. I see. Wow. In 97, that's right about the time the school moved from Bukitini to here in Yeah, actually, there was an in-between stage. They were in Tuapayo, I think. Oh, I, I don't remember this time because I was not going to school. Right, you weren't no longer in the school and you weren't involved in the school. You didn't have kids in the school. You yeah, not, the board, not so. at that age. And so you came back for three months. And three months turned into 25 years. Yes, 25 years. And even today, if you ask me, I'm going back to French Riviera next year. But I'm not. But no. uh, if you ask me, I'm going back next year. In, right. uh, in July, I take all my things and I go back to m my place. But you have a place, even though... Do you have a place there? It's very new. I have a place since three months. My wife and I decided to get a place. But I do, actually, I don't need a physical place. I need to have the ambience of French Riviera. And, and again, the smell, the light, the color of the sky, the, everything is incredible. What do you think, if you do end up going back, you'll be in that same situation that many of us are in, is that we long for that feeling of home. And then when we get there, we miss Singapore after being here for a while. Of course, but my wife is Jeanne, so we will come back to Singapore. She's got a lot of holidays. I don't know what she's doing in life, but she's got a lot of holidays. <laughs> And uh, so, uh, so we will have time to come back to Asia. For holidays, I have no problem. It's just uh, I need my home. And I never felt home in Singapore. When you say you came back after your business school, you didn't take the position at Cartier, finally. You came back to help out or be present for your mom. And then after three months, you just stayed. You were going to stay three months, but you stayed more than three months. Actually, there must have been a lot that happened in there. It wasn't just the, hanging out. The idea was to close our company. So that's why I was coming. So, so you were coming to help close the company. Exactly. Fresh out of business school. Yeah. My mother is an architect by training, so she doesn't know about this kind of thing, which are a bit technical and quite easy for someone who comes from school. It's much more difficult to do real business than to close a business. And after two months, I told her, okay, so this is the plan. So this is how we're going to do it and all that. So I will begin the setup. And from there, you will make it happen. And then she told me that I don't want to leave. So I had no choice. I'm curious how, at that time, it must have been different for visas. I mean, how do you... How do you manage to stay in the country at that time? Your mom was a PR? No, she, she was employment pass. She was on an employment pass for her own company? Yeah, but it was a company. We had 15 staff or something oh, like that. So. It's not big, but it's big enough to get an employment pass. And I was under employment pass from the same company. Actually, a few years after, she applied for a PR which she did not get. And then we looked at the solution and I tried something. So I asked PR for myself. And I got it in two weeks. And then I sponsored my mother's PR, which she got in two weeks. 
And so the whole family is PR now. No, just my mother and I. Your boys are not. No, because my ex-wife lives in France, so it's a bit difficult for me to take responsibility for the national service. Oh, it's interesting. All of these things that, as people who live and work abroad for a long time, we always are confronted with certain challenges that we don't even think about before we get here. Your mom didn't want to leave, and so you didn't want to abandon your mother. You chose to stay. So did you work in the company with your mother? Yeah, yeah actually, still, I developed the company. Do you still work in the company with your mother? Or, or are you a professional president? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I'm trying to get paid. So people listening, if you could write to the school to say, come on, give him something. Uh, no, uh, I was employed by the company. Uh, actually, the company was in construction, doing waterproofing and aluminum cladding. Huh. I don't know if you know the Marriott Hotel, which is a corner of Scotts Road and Orchard Road. Yeah. The one with the Chinese top. To do the waterproofing there, it was... A very special uh, challenge. I imagine, especially when you're talking waterproofing in Singapore. Anybody who's been here knows when the rain falls hard. <laughs> with that and with the work sites that are going very fast. So, for example, we did the waterproofing also of the Ritz-Carlton. And it was big doing the construction. And then we would lay the waterproofing because we were told to start. And then the next day, they board holes inside our waterproofing membranes everywhere to put new metals and all that. But we were telling them, okay, so now it's not waterproof anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this was my mother's company job. So I, I worked in that for, for a while, trying to change the mindset to interior design. And that's when we did quite a few projects in interior design and it worked quite well. Are you still working with that company? Now I own the company. still have the company where I don't do interior design anymore because I got bored actually. The first few projects, the first 20 years are very exciting. After 20 years, when you are in a meeting and people telling you, okay, the carpet is $2 per square feet, can't you find the carpet at $1.80 per square feet? It's less interesting. The sites were always a challenge, but the discussions were not up to the standard I have for my intellectual life. So I began to be a negotiator because this is what I do. Now I negotiate on anything, which is from buying petrol to accompanying a family business that needs to renew because the boss is getting too old and he wants to either transmit or to sell the company. Uh, so, yeah, I act as a negotiator and I'm having much more fun. And this is your company and it's a role that each project is a little different and unique and requires your attention and it's something new. On each project I start, I don't even understand what I'm reading. And that's what I like. And actually, I believe that's why I manage okay. Because I come with an external view. And that's where there is something to do. If you come with a traditional view because you know exactly the field and all that, then you might miss out some uh, opportunities. And that's where they don't need you, actually, because most of the people working are professional in where they work. So the standard views, they are them. While you're doing that, and you're evolving in your business and your career, and made some changes, but eventually you came back to the school, and now you're back with us at the school in a role that's very important. How did that happen? It was blackmail. Tell me. Ah, I don't know. The, the plot thickens. Exactly. <laughs> it was blackmail from, I don't know if you remember, Eric Vormser? No. Eric Vormser was the president in 2007. 
And you know what he told me? Because actually there was a new section created, was a TPS for the very young ones ah, from yes, two years the, old. The pre-K. Exactly. The toute petite section. Yeah. And I wanted my kid to be in. My firstborn was exactly going to be two years old on the 11th of November 2007. And so uh, one month before, I asked to the president, who was my friend, okay, I want to put my kid in TPS. And he said, but you know, it's full. I'm Italian, so I say, come yes. on, there is, more, there, can, there is of course something I can do. <laughs> then he told me, okay, I have always projects, construction projects at the French school. You are into construction, so I will get your kid. Don't worry. So your kid needs to be two years old to enter, so he will come on the 12th of November, and you, as long as your kid is here, you're going to help the executive committee with the constructions. So you sold your soul to the devil. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow, because it was a lot of construction. a long time ago. <laughs> and a lot of construction since. Yeah. 15 years, a lot of constructions. No regrets. Actually, it's boring. If you live... I'm not into art. I'm not into music. If I just live in Singapore without taking in any responsibility in the community. You get bored, actually. I was vice president of the French Chamber of Commerce, and this was quite interesting. Not as fulfilling as being at the French School Executive Board, but it was still something important. And then I was already thinking of moving to something else because there is a limitation of number of Mondays. I looked at the foreign French trade advisor, but they don't do anything in particular they just sit and talk which is what we're doing now so of course i enjoy it and of course it's part of my life i don't know actually i will be stepping off next november because i will have the maximum number of years which is eight so it will be 16 for me but eight because we fixed the rule after i started and i don't know yet what i'm going to do to keep myself occupied this will be 16 years that you've been on the board and as president of the board for it will be three years now it's two and it will be three For those who aren't aware, can you tell us a little bit about the role of the board? It's a volunteer position. Nobody's paid to be on the board. A lot of yeah, people. Believe me, sent, I tried. A lot of people are sent by their company. How does that work? If a company is, I think they're called actionnaire, meaning they have some type of priority. This is a system that makes sense when you hear it, but I always forget. No, but actually, this part doesn't really make sense. Okay. Uh, the, tell the, me about the it. The explanation makes sense. Actually, some companies take options within the school means they pay a bit more for their kids and then they get a voting right specific to the company. And the voting right of all the companies combined represent 50% of the votes. And so it's, I don't know, there could be a discussion whether it's normal or not normal. But the idea behind that and where it becomes very normal is that you don't know what, what can happen. Some parents might find interesting to deviate from the French system to the IB, for example. And this is where I have a problem because, and the French companies have a problem because what they want is the kids of their expatriates to be able to follow the same course, the same curriculum as what they were having in France and then eventually go back to France having had the same curriculum. So this is where the importance of the companies being very present is legitimated. Not about the extra money they pay. This one is, I can always discuss. The fact that the French curriculum remains constant here in Singapore as it is in France, that means at the French school in Portugal, the French school in Taipei, the French school in Beijing, which is why an Italian student or a Spanish student or a Portuguese student or a student from South Africa, for that matter, could go to any French school and know that they're not going to be doing the same thing twice, three years in a row. Everybody except the English. (laughs) Everybody except the English. (laughs) No English alone. 
<laughs> and today, no one from Argentina. <laughs> we agree. Did we leave anything off? The so only thing we... left off is two years ago when I decided to take the position of president of the executive board. Okay. Because before that, you were just a sitting member. I was in charge of all investments. Investments. We have 12 members, six representing the parents, six representing the companies. I'm part of the corporate. Then we have uh, committees different committees, financial, investments, and we have president of each committees and all that. And at the higher level of the board, there is a president, there is a treasurer, and a general secretary, and a supervisor. The supervisor is very important because he is the one we are sending to jail if there is a problem, but he doesn't know. Who is that person? <laughs> I um, want to get him in here or her uh, of course, of before, course. Get, get before him. they get caught. Yeah. Get him. It's Antoine De Vos. If you, if you want, <laughs> invite him to the parkour and you tell him about that. The supervisor is the legal representative of the French school. I see. And when you say that the board is shared between the parent representatives and the, the professional representatives from different companies, but the companies are sending kids whose parents work for those companies. So exactly. they're, they're still related to the parents. No, but of, of course they are parents. But this is to prevent from going too much out of the line. Is the president generally from the professional side or is it from the parent side? Or are, is it voted? Is it selected? Is it a closed door? Is it like choosing the pope? It's do you burn, a, do you so burn paper, and if it's white, it's, somehow how does it's it work? Blackmail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Is it a hot potato job? Is it the kind of job? It's a hot potato job, especially when you want to make changes, when you want to make things what you believe is better. It's very challenging, but it's very interesting. So I don't complain about that. By status, the president is a representative of the corporate, it's, except. And we had one president who was not representative of the corporate, was uh, Pierre Chantclair, yes. just before me. That when there is no candidate from the corporate, then the corporates can propose a name from the parents' I representative. See. But again, the whole idea is not to segregate the corporates no. and the parents, because we are all parents end of the day. It's to make sure that the school stays in the right track. Even financially, yeah, because sometimes it's, uh, you know, like uh, when we have projects like the one we have in now, uh, it needs to be uh, monitored. And so does the board make all the choices for leadership at the school? Like you chose our executive director. How is that done? Alors, is it human resources does all that? or All the pedagogic decisions are done by the headmaster. Us, okay, so that would be the yeah. proviseur is the pedagogical side. Exactly. And then the executive, the executive director. director receives from the board the strategy. So, of course, we vote on the budget. We vote of on every aspect, and once he has the detailed strategy, then we don't interfere anymore. We are not supposed to. So he's got his team, including the HR, including the finance and all that, to make it happen. And to suggest, uh, of course, the strategy is not coming directly from us. Huh? Of course, uh, it's uh, Yves, Yves Marcel, our executive yes. director, who come to us with suggestion, and then we take or amend or... I see. And, and he's been a long-time member of the community as well. Actually, he was, he was the supervisor when I joined the, the board of the French school. Ah, he was the one who could be put in jail. Exactly. Ah, I see. So he knows as well as anybody. <laughs> it's a different system from what I'm used to, and I think a lot of French teachers as well. The idea of a board is not something that's really common to them. No, but and, it's, uh, even if you don't pay attention to the minutes, the room we are in, how many schools have that? Look at our sports infrastructure. How many schools have that? Everything that is done here, look when we put the extra hours to help the students in need. How many schools have that without any extra charge? 
how many schools offer so many options? We are getting crazy with the options now. But how many schools are doing that? That's where you see the work of the board. Everything that is made better, I don't say it's only thanks to the board, but at one stage, there is a board committee and a board decision to uh, validate a budget, to give more, to uh, make it better. That's where the board is uh, important. Now, there's nobody on the board who's not a parent. Everybody's a parent. Technically, we could have corporate members not being parents, but we don't encourage that because afterwards it's a bit weird. I imagine, yeah. In the United States, just an aside, um, a lot of city school boards are elected, elected positions where people are elected and once they've won the election to be on the school board, they're paid a salary. And it's a political position. It's not just a contribution to the community. It's a political thing. Yeah, but I don't don't believe in that. It's a democratic structure. No, no, I I like it when I, you know, when I call one of the board members to say, I I need you to work on that. I know that what I'm asking him is to spend maybe 10, 20 extra hours for something he's not paid. And when he's going to present to the board, if he did not do a good job, he would be scored for yeah. a free job that's what I like then they get motivated because for a free job you don't want to be scored well we only have a few more minutes before the bell is going to ring and we have to move on if you take a moment and a deep breath and think about the time zones or the time span we just talked about from birth until today obviously you never imagined you would be here at the beginning of your life but how surprised are you that you're here and how could it have been different. I'm the bad customer for this kind of question because I don't even understand why I'm still in Singapore. I love Singapore, no problem, but my country is French Riviera. It's not even France. I would not stay in Paris as well. I would not stay in Toulouse. I would not stay in Lyon. All these cities are very nice, but uh, so I'm the very, very bad client because it happens that apparently I'm not making my decisions. <laughs> <laughs> There's some magnetic force that is that is overpowering you and keeping you here well i really really appreciate you coming in and talking with me and sharing your life with all of us thank you and i hope to talk to you again very very soon always available thank you bye now